The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. Here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm Benjamin Shapiro, the executive producer of the MarTech Podcast. And today we've got a special episode for you, which is going to be guest hosted by Doug Bell, who's the CMO of Chief Outsiders. Doug is a veteran CMO with a background in helping growth stage B2B SaaS companies reach their true potential. And I'm thrilled to invite him and some of his friends to take the microphone and share their knowledge with you, our loyal MarTech Podcast listeners. Okay, here's a special episode of the MarTech Podcast, guest hosted by Doug Bell, the CMO of Chief Outsiders. Hello, marketers. My name is Doug Bell from Chief Outsiders. And today, we'll be talking about AI's impact on the content creator economy. Joining me today is Annalisa Gooden, who is the founder and CEO at Catch and Release, which is a content licensing platform that helps marketers find authentic content from real people that aligns with their brief. Trusted by leading brands, including Disney, Nike, Amazon, and ESPN, Catch and Release provides a new path to licensing. Yesterday, Annalise and I talked about AI's impact on content licensing. And today, we're going to be talking about finding authenticity in the creator economy. Okay, here's my conversation with Annalisa Gooden, the founder and CEO at Catch and Release. Annalisa, we had a sort of really cool conversation between episodes when we got started this morning. I want to start us off there because yesterday we talked quite a bit about really how AI can help find content and match content with the people who need it most, the marketers, and all the licensing that goes along with it and how hard that is. And we started talking about authenticity and really feeling like that's the cornerstone of content that engages. But we didn't talk about the underlying landscape. So tell me, how has the rise of the creator economy impacted the traditional advertising landscape? Well, significantly. I mean, you have the creator economy essentially, I think, is the, again, the democratization of people who are making things that are valuable to marketers and are valuable to brands or are valuable to people outside their own immediate communities. So I think it's created a lot of optionality for marketers to not only source content from formidable directors and agencies that they want to work with, although there's still a huge market for that, it's opened up the doors to a lot of different kinds of people to come in and start their careers kind of right off the bat without necessarily the education, without necessarily the equipment, but with a vision and a creative appetite. So I think it's given marketers a lot more on the menu to choose from. And it's given those creators an opportunity to make money doing what they love. And we talked about the right moment for a startup. You talked about, and this is sort of us saying good morning over some coffee, but you talked about being ready for the moment. And a good example was in 2004 when this idea of UGC really got going. 
there wasn't a lot of platforms for people to share on, right? And privacy was a concern. In other words, the underlying sort of economics of licensing content didn't exist. Sort of take us through that journey. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because when I think about the market is ready for the creator economy now. But when you think about in 2004, there were so many things that the world wasn't quite ready yet for. There were platforms like Flickr. There was early versions of YouTube and Vimeo starting to come forward. But consumers weren't really that comfortable communicating on the internet, exchanging money and signing documents on the internet. Really, DocuSign became one of the first platforms that made us feel comfortable at a mass scale to do that. So there was just a bit of trepidation with just exchanging information online back then, which really becomes a predecessor for the creator economy working, is are we comfortable hiring a stranger to do something, whether it's hiring a creator to shoot something for us or licensing something from a creator who we've never talked to before, there's an inherent assumption there that everyone's comfortable using tools and exchanging value, having never established a relationship prior to that moment. And in 2004, that wasn't really the culture. It wasn't really there. And I've watched this change over time. You mentioned earlier, startups have to always ask themselves the question, am I building something in a large market that the market wants? Is my technology defensible? And is this the right time culturally to bring this to bear? Are the right amount of tools and ancillary products around me available so that the sentiment of that my general market is ready to consume what I have to bring to bear? You think of the many apps that existed pre-App Store on iPhone may not have made it. The App Store made it possible for so many apps we use today to flourish. Without the App Store, they may not have had that opportunity. So we always have to look at the moment. And so I think about now as being an incredible moment for creators because the market's ready to exchange value anonymously in many cases. The content and the technology and the camera equipment inside our phones is undeniably great. I mean, when I first got started, it was the Canon D Mark II and the GoPro camera were the only trustworthy cameras to use. Everything else was shite, right? According to the marketer's sort of perspective. And now it's, that's just a no-brainer. So the market's ready for this moment. And the, the creator economy, I think, is extraordinarily interesting and I'm absolutely a hugely growing space. So we have this explosion of authentic content. We had the underlying meta structure to be able to go find the content. The challenge is, and what I want to talk about as well, by the way, is this idea of why authentic content matters. But the challenge we're talking about ultimately is, if I'm going to go and source content, how do I go about making sure I can use the content? That's what we're talking about. Talk to me about some of the strides that have been made towards making that process, say, friction-free for marketers. I don't want to sound arrogant, but when I first started, I was doing this all by hand. I cleared 10,000 pieces of content by hand before writing any code. So I went through the slog of it, identifying a piece of content on the internet and then realizing halfway through the process that the person who posted it wasn't actually the copyright owner. They're not the act. They weren't actually the ones who were holding the camera at the time. They posted it, but they weren't the owner. Seeing faces in videos and photos and realizing that every single face needs a release. And if that face is a child, they need a parental release. Pets sometimes need releases. There's IP everywhere. So the promise of the internet, the promise of the creator economy to the customer was very clear. It was, this is a new, refreshing batch of creative content that's authentic and real and connects us emotionally and is incredibly beautiful. But if you don't have an answer for how to license it, then it sort of just falls flat. Then it's just a glass ceiling. Where do you go from there? We can all search the internet, fine, but we can't all license the internet. So Catch and Release was really born from the desire to, after learning and going through the motions for years and years and years, building a licensing team, going through the process of talking to creators, how to build trust quickly in this marketplace, reaching out to somebody in who's an up-and-coming filmmaker in LA, requires a different script 
then reaching out to a farmer in the middle of Iowa who's captured a beautiful sunrise on the farm. Different personas, not to mention international. Then you get into cultural differences. I mean, it's just a party bag of unknowns. But after doing that for several years, I started to see the patterns. I started to see what that licensing process needed to be. What that what are the important pillars in licensing? It's first to establish trust, then it's to establish a fair market rate, then it's to make the parties exchange in a way that's totally safe, ironclad, and that everyone's really clear on what they're signing up for. And making the process as celebratory as possible. This is a celebration. Your content's being recognized by a major brand. It's going to get used in a safe way. Congratulations. That's amazing. We've had creators before who've changed the course of their professional life after licensing content once, who've decided to minor in photography in college after licensing something on a campaign. People all the time say this, like, oh, I'm not an artist. I'm not a creative. I don't don't have any training. I don't have any tools. That's total bullshit. You've made something that someone responds to and wants to use and wants to pay you for. Congratulations, you're a creator. So when we think about the creator economy, most of us, I think, use think about that as people who wake up in the morning thinking of themselves as creators, looking for tools to monetize and make a living doing what they love. I think about the creator economy as a superset of that. It's really anybody in the world with a phone who's created something amazing that someone else recognizes of value. You're a creator. You may not do it professionally. You may have a job at HP. You may have a job as a podcaster. You may have a job as a teacher. You can have any kind of job. But if you've been paid to license your stuff in a professional capacity, I have a hard time not seeing you as a creator. And why does authenticity matter? Why is it so important? Why do we work so hard to get, gather, and republish authentic content? I think we have to ask ourselves that on a very human level. I mean, I'm enjoying this conversation. I think I'm enjoying it because you strike me as an authentic person. You're asking me real questions. You have a genuine curiosity. You're pushing me to sort of think about my answers. And it's an authentic conversation. If this was just sort of flat and kind of you didn't come across as very genuine, or if I didn't, it just wouldn't necessarily be as fun. I think so at a human level, I think we demand that. Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. 
Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. I really like where you're going with this, by the way, Annalisa, because it's a little bit meta too at the same time, right? We're talking about a podcast and the authenticity of a podcast within the podcast itself. But let's create the flip of this. It would be, Annalisa, two weeks before we get together, I'm going to send you every single question and you're going to prepare your response. I'm going to ask the questions in exactly that order and you're going to spot. And the thing is, people know, they can tell. And maybe this goes back to some sort of social psychology here, back to the savannas of Africa 100,000 years ago. But I think, you know, I'm going to make a conclusion here. Ready? People can smell BS. When they see authenticity, they know they're seeing it. It's intuitive. That's right. And what's going to happen? Your brand's going to benefit from that, right? You know when it's authentic content. And when you know when, if you're being sold to, at least wrap it up in this idea of something I can connect to that's authentic, that's human. You're right. It would be sort of like, cookie cutter answers. We've figured everything out ahead of time and we're going to deliver the information and we're done. I think what's hidden inside of authenticity is vulnerability and vulnerability builds trust. So when brands are able to put forth something that maybe is a little messy, it might be a little unresolved. It might be a little bit, a tiny bit risky, or it's just really kind of personal or human on a human level. It connects with someone. I think that they're being vulnerable. And I think people respect the hell out of that. I think they, they see that and they say, wow, you really put yourself out there. That's inspiring. That builds trust. That makes me feel like you're not just telling me the information I want to hear. It makes me feel like you're engaging me in a conversation. So there are a lot of really subtle psychological elements to this that, you know, I always like to, when people watch commercials that are made with this content that Catch and Release is licensing, they always say the same thing. They say, wow, that was very moving. And I like to unpack that because moving is changing behavior. In order to be moved, you have to be implored to move. Otherwise, you just stay still, right? So it's how do you move people? And what advertisers want is they want to move people toward a purchase, ultimately, or they want to move people away from a competitor and toward their product. So authenticity is beautiful. I love to support it as a human. It's the way I like to live my life. But I also recognize that it's a very smart, strategic way of communicating with people if you want them to do what you want them to do. And it's amazing that we're in this place in time where we have thrown a little jargon around. Apologize for that, folks. We talked about metadata. We talked about prompts and large language models. But really what we're talking about is how efficiently can we as marketers connect with content that's going to help us connect with other brands. And so much of our careers have been really about creating authentic content or creating content that works as opposed to authentic. And now we have this amazing opportunity to get in front of and actually deploy content that, frankly, a lot of B2C and B2B marketers never would have been able to deploy. And it's because of this underlying technology. One thing I'm going to emphasize, Annalise, and I'm going to sort of wrap things up on this idea, but I think that the term authentic is thrown around a bit generously, if you will. Talk to me a bit about vulnerability as an aspect of authenticity and sort of how that strikes a chord for you and how that might strike a chord for people's audiences. I think we're a culture that doesn't lead with vulnerability. I think in recent years, we've started to champion that a bit more and learn the benefits of vulnerability. And what it does essentially is build trust. I 100% agree with you that you mentioned jargon like LLMs and metadata, but I would put authenticity also now in that bucket of jargon because apparently it gets tossed around quite a bit without getting defined. Right. I think you and I did a good job of actually kind of defining it and saying, what does this mean? And what doesn't it mean? And I think we need to do that more with words like that, that we use on a regular basis. I think vulnerability is just getting to the heart of why something feels authentic or doesn't. I think it's the key ingredient in authenticity. I don't know that you can be authentic without vulnerability. 
Now, would I change the description of what we do to say catch really specializes in vulnerable content? I think that might be maybe a bridge too far, but it's an interesting exercise for sure. And I think as marketers, we should always be thinking about the words that we're using. And are we accidentally just subscribing to someone else's definition of something or are we really making sure it's right for us? I think that in itself is a great exercise. I feel like what's inferred in that vulnerability is that you're humble. I feel like at our best, it's a counterweight to a lot of the toxicity we're seeing out there. Yeah, it's an antidote. It's exactly that. So we have created the landscape for almost impossibly perfect content that we want marketers to put out there. And at least, but at least we know, at least we understand and know that the ability to get that content is happening at speed. And that a lot of the complexity in the background, specifically around licensing, and you mentioned a whole host of things that I think none of us had thought about before. I especially like the fact that your pets potentially have IP rights as an example. But at the end of the day, that's what this podcast is about, is how are we deploying a marketing technology to get to the point where we can really make these things easier so we can have a great conversation with marketers about vulnerability and the counterweight to that being sort of toxic content that's out there. I've really enjoyed the conversation we've had the last couple of days. Annalisa, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Doug. It was great to be here. And thanks so much for having me as a guest. You got it. And you're back anytime that you can say shite. I think that is the <laughs> English or Irish way of swearing. That was well done. Thank you, Annalisa. Yeah, I, I thought that would take a bit of the edge off of just the word shit. I was like, nah, shite's going to be a little bit more palatable. And that's the word for this episode, everybody, shite. Okay, <laughs> that wraps up this MarTech Insider episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Annalisa Gooden, founder and CEO at Catch and Release for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch with Annalisa, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can also contact her on Twitter where her handle is at Annalise Gooden, or you can visit her company website at catchandrelease.com. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to our guest host, Doug Bell, the CMO of Chief Outsiders. If you'd like to get in touch with Doug, you could find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is Market Advocate. Or you could just visit his website, which is chiefoutsiders.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even apply to be the next guest speaker on the MarTech Podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly on LinkedIn. My handle is Ben J. Shap. B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.